there actually there's multiple uh things that people get worried about with the devil and that's of course what we want to spend the majority of this podcast talking about welcome to spinsters a podcast where we never pass up the open dunk i'm Haley o'shaughnessy i'm a recovering basketball writer i'm jordan liggins i'm an editor at mojo if you think that was rude i just want you to know it was gonna be a redhead joke and then i pivoted at the last moment I love how you still put that in, just in case. <laughs> Where the carpet's not, never mind. Um, okay, Suns versus Clippers. A little I, more exciting. How do you feel? How do you feel? I just love Devin Booker so much. Yeah. I love him so much, and I think that we should permanently retire the empty stats narrative, purely based off of him. He's the example we can always point to because he was the example for so many years of people saying he's the classic bad team, good stats guy. Is that the saying? Bad team, good, good yeah. stats, bad team. Yeah. I would what say doing so. is- the sons were bad and he was good. So that's kind of, that was the story. <laughs> that was the story. And he was the poster child for that. The mm-hmm. sons obviously won game one versus the Clippers. I, if, I'm like very surprised at how much I enjoyed watching the Clippers, though. Yeah, I did you not mean Terrence that. Mann's Terrence Mann's Clippers? Yeah, Terrence That's Mann's it. Clippers. <laughs> I'm I'm still not giving Paul George his flowers. So it's Terrence Mann's Clippers. It's Reggie Jackson's Clippers. All while Kawhi is out. Man, yeah, Reggie Jackson is apparently a god. I don't know. But Paul George was really good. Paul George was really good. He was, and he's going to make us all apologize, but I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready. But they are fun. They're playing well. They have that fight in them that I think is really exciting. Um, They made it past the game seven, and... They're they're here, but I think the Suns were rested. They were, you know, had a little chip on their shoulder without Chris Paul, who's still out with COVID protocol. But I loved my I think my favorite part was Chris Paul's presence still being there. Um, They were saying that he was texting his brother on the sideline, yelling out (laughs) and his brother was yelling out plays and tips and they were FaceTiming him in huddles. So it felt like he was still there. Yeah. Well, his brother, his brother was on the sideline and he was texting his brother to like yell things out to the team. Who's his brother? I love the Cliff? No, <laughs> see, no, they said CJ. I could check. I could check that. I'm like, is this a Giannis situation? I just didn't know. <laughs> oh, you mean like on the not on the team bench? Not just on the, on the team side. bench. Okay, no, I was just so like in confused. The front I was row. like, what is going on? Right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's great. I didn't know he had a brother. A Giannis situation. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? I just didn't know this for years. Like he's a all right. I feel a lot better knowing that um he's he doesn't have a brother on the roster. That would have been I would have just quit. I would have like packed up. It's been I love a good run. Cliff Paul, though. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have any other brother. It has to be Cliff Paul because that's ingrained in our minds from those horrible State Farm commercials. The recent ones have been good, and that's entirely Sabrina. 
It's like she it, came in and, really and they, they were feeling the pressure. They're like, okay, now we have to write these for real. They have to be better. I've enjoyed them lately. I mean, they're not as annoying. If we're going through the annoying commercials that play during every single break of every single playoff <laughs> game, regardless of TNT and ESPN, AT&T is the worst. Mm. The absolute worst. Actually, I think I'm going to end it there because State Farm was going to be my number two. Yeah, I'm going to end it there. The one where they have the car and there's the little like mermaid woman singing on the end of it. That one's bad, too. But that's yeah. not as often. That one is is not that's not happening as often for me. The song just gets stuck in your head. But my main thing with the Chris Ball and Sabrina commercial is that he says he turns into a basketball but he's holding a basketball. So when he vanishes, it should be two basketballs. No, I thought the same thing. That's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I don't know how you overlook that. That's like extremely Game of Thrones Starbucks cup in the in the. <laughs> That's back. exactly what it is. It's so bad. It's like a 20 second spot. And no, they didn't think to have like a fact checker or a physicist on call. Guys, actually, that's you're saying... He'll turn into one. It's going to be two. Yeah, I, I had a huge issue with that, too. So anyway, Devin Booker. <laughs> you know what? Chris Paul was also there in the form of just like he went into Devin Booker's body every time Devin Booker yeah. was in the mid-range. But yes. I don't actually I can't even say that because I don't want to take anything away from from Booker. I mean, there was a stretch where every single time I felt like I even shifted a little on the couch. It'd be like. Booker again and he'd hit another shot I mean it was just insane there was like a four minute stretch where it was it felt like every four seconds he hit a shot yeah and what a way to have your first triple double of your career in the Western Conference Finals and it also goes along with the 40 piece like yeah he is rising to the occasion and he is becoming the star that we all knew that he could be and now he's on a stage where he can really, really show that off. Because we go back to the bubble and it was hints of it and they went undefeated there. And we were like, wait, are the Suns kind of real? Is Devin Booker real? And they didn't really have a chance to continue that momentum. And now we're really getting to see it. And I think we can all say that we're enjoying it and it's so much fun. Yeah, and they're my finals pick. Like easily, mm. even though the Clippers did look really good, and even though they they were without their best player, I'm not gonna say as well because I don't want to put CP above Devin. I don't even think it's worth the conversation, not because it's obvious, but because rankings are subjective, and I would like everybody to, you know, facts. Yeah, do you have your own favorite player close to your heart. I think that's totally fine. But Paul George was, I I enjoyed watching him, and I it also made me think. I wonder if. It's going to be a thing for years to come that whenever Paul George is in the playoffs, like if you're playing the same night as him, you're at risk of him passing playoff P to you. Like last <laughs> night, it was obviously Ben Simmons. Like Paul George won't always be playoff P. And if he's not, he's giving it to someone else and you're going to have the worst night of your career, like The Exorcist or yeah, that Lindsay Lohan movie, um, Just My Luck, where they keep passing the bad luck back and forth to each other. Such Actually, I don't know. I've never seen The Exorcist. Is that what happens? I I cannot watch scary movies at all. Oh, okay. I get scared from the trailers. So no, I'm not the one to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it. I thought I think that's what happened. Like the devil goes in. Whatever. Just my luck is a better example. And they kiss to pass it on. And I think the NBA needs more kissing. Yeah. Yeah. I support that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, do you want to talk about the Sixers? 
I feel like I can go through, but man. I feel bad and I feel surprised. And I think that I could explain what happened in the game in like 10 words. Weird rotations. Turnovers. Dwight Howard, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Ben. Kevin Herter, never mind, 12. (laughs) More turnovers, 14. But yeah. What a perfect summary. That was was great. I mean, he had 27 points. Good for Kevin. Good for redheads everywhere. I think there's less than five in the league. Talk about a bad rep. Like, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons, and that's, you know, he's really – I think that him passing up that open dunk is probably going to be one of the most talked about things in his career. Fair or unfair? Yeah. I mean, I think that is his his lasting image as a Sixer. Like, that is just the perfect uh, summary of what he's been, especially in these playoffs. And I love that after the game, both Doc and Joel – had some choice words on that situation. And Joel said, I'll be honest, I thought the turning point was when we, I don't know how to say it, but I thought the turning point was we just had an open shot and we made one free throw. <laughs> the other thing too is like you passed. That was perfectly said to me. Like we all know what you're talking about and we all agree. And you also passed it to Thibel. Like, he was there ready to get the rebound or ready to support you in any way. He was not ready to make the play. They are looking for you, Ben Simmons, to make that play. And then Doc, whoo, really awkward. In the press conference, basically someone, the journalist asked him, like, do you think Ben Simmons can be a point guard on a championship team? And Doc said, I don't know the answer to that right now. Mm. Okay, first right. of all, Doc, of all the people to be talking, I mean, yes, that, I think that's actually a totally fair answer. Would I have said it in front of the press? I don't know. I'm not an NBA coach, and when I get right. paid that money, I'll make those decisions. But Mike Prada tweeted, Doc has now blown three three-and-one leads, one three-and-two lead, one two-and-oh lead, and lost game seven at home four times, five if you count the bubble. Then I saw ESPN stats and info tweet that Doc Rivers has lost 29 uh, games with a chance to clinch a playoff series, which is, of course, the most by any NBA head coach in NBA history. And it's not hard to see why, because he keeps getting put in these positions or his teams, thank God, put him in these positions and then he just fucking blows it. So I feel like of all the people to be... um, you know, completely deflecting that question instead of supporting your guy. Maybe you had a little bit to do with this. I want to reiterate the Dwight Howard minutes as extremely strange. Um, (laughs) But like, Ben, yes, exactly what you're saying. I mean, I want everyone to, can we put a play in the show notes? If we can, we will. I'm sure you've seen it a hundred times, but if you haven't, like look at it again. And then also when that open dunk is passed up, with literally just Trey Young in front of him. There's footage of, there's like a camera on Joel 
And he just has his hands like thrown up. It was extremely like LeBron, J.R. Smith, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. The point, except for Joel just throws his hands up and he's like, what the fuck? And it's like, I can't win with this guy. Like, that's what that says to me. Is yeah, like, and you how, said, how? Yeah, exactly. You said that this is that is his lasting image of him. I think it's his last image, <laughs> to be honest, too. As a sixer, like, I don't think that you come back from that. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Which, you know, and that's the other thing is that I, I wonder if it's really that surprising that he passed it up because he, you I know you saw this stat, he shot three times during all of the fourth quarters combined in that series. He had yeah. two shots in game one in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. one shot in the fourth quarter of game three, and the rest of them, he, Zero. He did. Yeah, and he made all of those shots. Like, he's three for three, which is much more than we can say about his free throw shooting. <laughs> but he was, you know, it's also, and um, Jim Jackson, is was he the color commentator on the game? He was saying that, you know, it was a mental battle, too, of, like, I don't want to shoot in the paint because I might get fouled, and then I have to go to the free throw line and now I'm scared that I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss these free throws. So I'm not even going to shoot at all. And then to me, that's you're hurting your team. If they are saying, OK, Ben, it's a close game. We need you out of the game. You can't even be in the superstar talks or that you are this go to player if your team benefits from you being off the floor so that teams can't foul you and you're going to miss free throws. But while you're on the floor, there's so much other things that you can do that he's still not even doing. Like, it just seems like he was already playing as if he was traded. Well, I mean, that's the entire, like, Ben Simmons story, though, isn't it? It's like people would always say, there's so many things that he does the average fan can't see. Sometimes the average fans know what they're talking about. Like, sometimes it, it's not as deep as it seems. And you can see what he does well. You can see when he's... You know, he's a fantastic passer. You can see there, he's a great defender. There's all kinds of things you can see, but you can also see when somebody does something as egregious as, as really hesitate to shoot. And that's interesting. I didn't hear that on the broadcast, but that makes sense. And I feel like this is where the line between trying to understand what somebody's thinking, like the line between, I do feel bad for Ben. Like, let me just say that I feel really bad for him. And this is where the line between empathy and projection sort of gets muddled. I think mm -hmm. we have to be careful about saying this is what he's thinking. This is why he's not doing it. The free throw explanation, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I really feel like you do have to be in a bad place mentally for some reason for you to pass up that open dunk. Like, I don't know how many times I've said the word open dunk on this podcast. It's just, <laughs> it was that unbelievable. Yeah. And I really hope that He's okay because it's going to be a, an insane um, summer of rumors and, and like shit talking about him. And okay, we've talked about my Sixers theory before, but we were like a bottle of wine deep. But do you remember what when I was talking about the moral panics? Yes. Okay. I love so this. do you remember what a moral panic was? Yeah. It's like the, um, you know, when everyone was like, rock and roll is the devil. <laughs> and when everyone's just like, Freaking out. And that's it's, Sixer fans right now. <laughs> yes. It's essentially like mass hysteria over a yeah. perceived threat to society. That's illegitimate. Like the Red Scare, the Salem Witch Trials, the War on Drugs, the Satanic Panic. 
which was when people were convinced that satanic rituals were be done were being done on kids and women in the 80s. It's something essentially where people get so passionately upset about and are convinced that it's real that these moral panics usually lead lawmakers to make laws, like to change the law to settle this thing that, again, is like does not exist. Um, do you remember hearing about this is the most recent one I've, I've read about why those parental advisory stickers are on albums? Like, have, have you ever wondered that or, or thought about that? I guess I just thought like, hey, parents, this has cursing in it. So maybe monitor who listens to this. I'm not sure. It's because Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, like their young, young daughter listened to Prince in the 80s and her darling Nikki and Tipper freaked the fuck out. And then like they they formed this parental group and they took it to the Senate. These were the people who thought if you played a rock album backwards that like the devil was talking to you. And now we have these, those stickers because they literally took it to the Senate. So, okay, what? moral panics are mass hysteria over something that's not real. I also hate the word hysterical hysteria, but that's like for another. Actually, it's sexist roots. Mm. I'm going to send you an article. About it. Yeah. Anyway, this happens all the time in basketball. Like the, there are moral panics in basketball. And so, wait, did I call this a theory? Because it's more like a proposal. My proposal is we start calling these Maury panics. Yes, because they happen on a lot of his teams, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not entirely fair with the Sixers. Like these happened way, way, way before he came, but it just sounds so similar to moral panic. We have to go with it. I'm so sorry, Daryl. Um, so like a moral pan, a Maury panic in basketball is like the classic one to me is when you get two really, really, really good players on your team, and the thing that everyone says is like, "There's only one basketball. How are yes. they going to be able to play together?" Like, because they're really good. This happened with LeBron and AD. This happened with LeBron on the Heatles with Wade and Bosh. Everyone was like, there's only one basketball. It's never going to work out. This also happened on multiple Maury teams with Mm -hmm. um, Harden because he kept giving Harden another really good player. And everyone was like, well, it's just not going to work, even though he's like actually in truth a very selfless player, if you think about it. Um, The Sixers, Maury panics. Embiid will never stay healthy. Which mm-hmm. is actually fair. All right, let's take yeah. that off. That's fair. I'll, I'll I subtract agree with it. that one. We have to get rid of Jimmy Butler because he can't play with Ben. That was a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, your best player can never be a center, so we're going to trade Embiid. Like, that was a thing for a long time. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will never fit together, which is still not the case, in my opinion. It's just that, like, Ben needs to be better. <laughs> and the biggest one over the years was that Ben Simmons – can't shoot and that is like he'll never shoot and I'm officially taking that out of the Maury panic category like this is real yeah that's a fact the music backwards is actually a message from the devil and it's saying shoot a three you coward this is completely real and yeah I feel bad for him but I think he's done as a sixer definitely I mean he knew it I think you the worst part about probably this last couple games for the Sixers was just this cloud over them. Just knowing that if we don't do this right, we're all gone. Like Tobias Harris texted his significant other after that game and was like, just start packing. I don't know where we're going, but we're probably going somewhere. I think they're blowing it all up. Oh, that's. Yeah. Wait, wait, did you just say that like 
that happened? No, I'm saying that's oh, what he should do. That's what he should. Okay, I yeah, was like, yeah. oh my god, I have the inside How track on his text. This? Yeah, I was like, wow, are you his significant? No, I was literally like, what no. the fuck is happening? <laughs> no, I'm saying that's what he should do because they they don't know where they're going, but they know they're not staying there. Um, and it it felt like that was that pressure that the whole franchise has, and it, it rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I wish that right now was just about the Hawks entirely because yeah. I, you know what? Trey is like, to me, the opposite the the of Ben in terms of like caring and caring about perception and caring about mm-hmm. even on the court, like letting loose in terms of exactly how he plays and, and the threes he's going to take and taking a bow after the game and MSG knowing that you are going to be the villain, like, mm-hmm. you know, for a bunch of Knicks fans. And I love that he just – has embraced that, but he's also extremely lovable. So I don't know if the villain thing is going to exactly catch on. He has balls. And then after the game, after every win, when they interview him, you just, I kind of like really focus in on, and I don't mean this in a shaming way at all. He's a super young guy. So this is not like a bad thing at all. He's just like skinny and he's small and his voice is still high. And you're like, you're so young and you're still yeah. playing this way and you're still doing this. And yeah, that's been it's been really fun to watch. But he is the opposite. And so I wish that we were just talking about him more. Maybe that's exactly what will happen in this series because mm-hmm. the Bucks have a lot more tendency to take on that Sixers. God, we fucked up again. We're going to they have that pressure. This, yep. I mean, Giannis has it. Bud really has it. Mm-hmm. Um and the rest of the team, you know, even like especially Chris and Drew, Chris for longer than Drew, but they've kind of folded into the same thing of like, are these guys even legitimate? Like, you know, are they even really? And I don't subscribe to that. I like them both. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like the Hawks are going to be playing yet another team that has far, far, far more at stake than they do. And I could see them. I could see them, like, taking advantage of that. I'm not convinced that the Bucs are going to go to the finals. I I think we're making that transition over to the uh, Bucs-Nets game. But, like, if Katie's shoe size was one size smaller... Milwaukee is not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, like, that's how close they were to not making it here. And I think it's it's fair. Just like what you're saying about Atlanta, there is no expectation. There's no expectation for them to even be, have gone this far. Taking the Sixers to a Game 7, no one thought that was going to happen. So why wouldn't you play young, free? There's, like, if you win, great. If you don't, we're going to hire our our interim coach. (laughs) Like there's no real pressures of the franchise that hangs their hat on this series where both teams that they have gone against. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, before a coaching change in the middle of the season, it was like, well, so the Hawks like done, like this is like as far as they're going to go. Oh, we were Mm -hmm. too optimistic. It's crazy how far they've come. And to the Bucks credit, I guess this is like, I mean, this, this Nets' is, team is an all-time team. It's it's probably the most talented team to lose in a second round. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have, like, 
recency bias or just being, you know, 27 year old bias, but I don't know. Like you're, you're putting together Katie, Kyrie and Harden. That's an all time team. And I do feel extremely bad for all of them as well. I also loved that Katie comment where he was like, my big ass foot was on the line. (laughs) <laughs> when he gets the shot that should have went to that took it to OT. A lot is at stake for the Bucks. I think maybe because of the injuries, less was at stake for the not less was at stake, but it's like more excusable, which is just kind mm-hmm. of like the pattern of a lot of things now. Like yeah. this the the injuries, this playoffs. Injuries aside, this has been such a good playoffs. It well, has. All right. I'm going to take been like, really, I'm it's gonna been really long. I take like the block been... of the first round off because like <laughs> yeah, some of those yeah. were great and some of them were just really, really, really bad. But <laughs> all those blowouts. Wow. Yeah. TBT. But I think it's um, it's interesting because you have a super team, but if injuries happen, they are a team like they are a normal team and you can build these teams. You can have all these people have all this hype. But injuries is something that we can't control. And then, just like you said, the expectations kind of go out the window. It's like, oh, maybe next time. Hopefully you're healthy. Like, James Harden was not 100%. And it was really KD rising to the occasion and showing that he is that person. But, I mean, there's some things that are just out of your control. And it was really unfortunate that that was Brooklyn's story, especially all year. It seemed like they've just been preserving their bodies in low power mode. And then this happens. Yeah. I love that you say out of their control, too, because they're like LeBron essentially said as much um, Mm -hmm. on Twitter the other day. Actually, let me pull up that tweet. Hold on one second. Low Wi-Fi girl. (laughs) Okay, so LeBron tweeted, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I'm guessing he's saying like the league, the board of governors, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which is ultimately the product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's lack of pure rim rest before Starting back up, eight, possibly nine All-Stars have missed the playoff games, most in league history. I love it. You put most in league history in like uh, in parentheses, and that feels very like a media tweet. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our faith players. It's insane. If there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round, it's me, capital letters, exclamation point. I speak for the health of all our players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. Prayer hands emoji, um, crown emoji, which is interesting because I know that he's grouping himself into that, but I think that's also fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people wondering why the players' union agreed to the terms this season, mm-hmm. and while it is interesting that LeBron is is saying this um, as probably the most powerful person in the league. Uh, It's weird to put all the blame on the players union or even like the majority of the blame on them, because I remember the same people shitting on those of us who were encouraging them to hold out all the time. Right now, the same people asking, I I'm wondering like why they agreed to this, but whatever. 
<laughs> the thing is, is there are a lot of reasons that they agreed to this. There's a lot of reasons that everyone agreed to things during the pandemic work-wise that we did not want to do. Yeah. And yeah, any other time like would not have agreed to um, because your hand is, is uh, what's the saying? God, this is bad Died. because before the show, we didn't remember <laughs> any, we were saying like the most basic things like water's wet and we couldn't remember what the <laughs> end of the expression was, but their hand was forced. That's what it is. Their hand was forced. <laughs> the league. Okay. First of all, the league was like, future cap implications were used as a threat. Yeah. Like they, they absolutely were. And you can say, hey, this is going to be the effect for you guys. I hope you know that. And that's totally a threat. Um, they told them, you're not just going to ruin the season like financially. You're ruining seasons to come because we need this money to build off of. And that's a very, very scary thing for players to hear mm-hmm. because they don't play forever. They can't own a team forever. It's very different. They have a limited employment window. How many people even last 12 years in the league? So the Board of Governors holds far more power than the Players Union because they're sitting back. These are people who got richer during the pandemic. Yeah. Like there was a study on sports owners, and the majority of them got richer during the pandemic. Meanwhile, their franchises, like the Knicks, for example, the Knicks have gotten way more valuable since Dolan has owned them. I wish I had the exact numbers. They've gotten way more valuable since he's owned them, and they've been terrible. Mm-hmm. So one of the shittiest franchises over the last however many years under Dolan has skyrocketed in value during that time. But you're telling these players that they should have held out. Okay, how many, how? They should have just skipped this year. They should have just skipped like that. You know, if you're being told the next five years are going to have serious implications, you're like, okay, well, fuck, that's half my career. Yeah. And you. And then what do I do afterwards? Right. And we we've also talked about like that comparison where it's LeBron, who's a star, who's getting money elsewhere, who's about to get who knows how much from the Space Jam movie. And you have a bench player who not only is about, you know, their health, a limited window, they might be on a roster for a limited time. Like they might have someone take their spot next season. So it's so hard for them to make that justification of like, okay, yeah, let's sit out or let's hold back when I finally made a team like that's right. a different decision for two very different players the same union that covers LeBron covers Damian Lee there mm-hmm. are absolutely power hierarchies within unions and sometimes that's okay the guy at the top makes the decision the Chris Pauls the LeBrons make the decisions um for everybody and they have yeah. extremely different interests and so I mean it's there's a lot of parallels with media um not to get too meta but like there's been a huge surge in media unionizing, which has been so amazing to see. Mm-hmm. But if you are, and this just happened, if you're a very established writer signing a thing saying, I don't want my dues to go up, yet the fact checkers at the very bottom need this. Yeah. Like they, you know what I mean? There's just, there's all kinds of things where you're not just doing this for yourself this all leads back to the conversation of if you're wondering why they agreed to this they don't have the power you think they do and you only think that because they're millionaires and so you don't want to have any kind of empathy or understanding for their financial anxiety Mm -hmm. but all kinds of people have financial anxiety um there's it's just drastically different for like you were saying for people who are maybe like it's not just a matter of well 
knock a year off of my decade-long career. It's like, no, I, I just made it. And I, yeah. I might not make it if I come back. Which all goes – I mean, how many times are we going to compare this to women's basketball before it catches on? Like, the real anxiety here is is with the women. Yeah. And it, it reminded me of a scene – I don't know if you saw the um, ESPN's documentary on the Wubble, 144 – but it reminds me of that scene with Courtney Williams, who, you know, it was Sue Bird, um, Leisha Clarendon, Neka Gumake, like all standing up front. These are the top players um, when it was, you know, a very pivotal time in social justice. And they were like, you know what, we're we're thinking about sitting out and, you know, they want to get paid for the games that they sit out. And Courtney Williams said, you know, we all came here to get paid. Like I have bills at home. I have people to feed. And it's like, yes, there are bigger things and there are things that are stopping us. But bottom line is this is our job. And you guys are making these decisions. You guys are having these conversations. But I have to get a paycheck. That's why I'm here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have come. And I think about that so often because it is a job. And we compare it to the women's basketball because they have full-time jobs. It's all year round. They're working multiple jobs. They don't have time for their body to heal, but this is their job. And so when you talk about the NBA and you have it coming from the top, like LeBron, who is kind of this voice of the NBA where people, when he talks, people listen. It has to be encompassing of all of the players. It has to, you kind of have to think of both sides. You just, you just have to. Yeah, exactly. And there, how many times, um, just taking it back to the men, like, have we said it should be a shorter season? And that's in everybody's best interest except right. for one <laughs> group, and that's the owners. Because who who's going to say, okay, I'll sacrifice that money? It will be less money. It's less games. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know, the people who actually can afford to miss it. But that's, like, that's greed for you. I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's way beyond basketball. It's just financial greed. Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. is going to Mars. Or is that Elon Musk? I don't know. One of They're all going to Mars. Like, let's send them all to Mars. I don't care. It's like taking a weekend trip on his space shuttle. Let's just pretend. Let's like just tell BRB. them, like, you're doing this. Like, you, yes, you're going to Mars. And this is the this is the shuttle and whatever. And we just, like, <laughs> drop them in Florida or something. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Mars. There's people here. <laughs> I think we should do this. I'm all for that. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. But it, like literally if you're saying I'm I'm saying okay, the they should have tried to have some form of a bubble and people are like the players aren't going to agree to this blah blah blah. Yeah, they're going to agree to whatever the owners want. You know, essentially, like not whatever, but if the owners are like, "Well, we're not doing the season." The players are the ones who need to have the season. Right. Okay, we're going to do way fewer games. Okay, we're going to spread it out. I mean, the reason that this is so condensed is so they can start the next season on time. Which is crazy because that means, like, it's almost July. And I honestly don't see the finals in sight at all. Like, this this playoffs has felt like a year-long quest. Um, And then for them to just turn around and start the season again... I feel like people are going to be up in arms and they're going to be on crutches and limping towards the start of the season. And um, I don't I just don't see anyone really being happy about that. But it's it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. I mean, that kind of reminds me of the uh, 
the asterisk conversation, which is like not something I'm trying to pile on you on a, you know, beautiful morning because I know we both roll our eyes at it. But I mean, the thing with the asterisk conversation is everyone is going under similar circumstances. So what's the asterisk for exactly like stats? But I, I would never say it's like it determines the worthiness or the validity of a a championship when people are, you know, going under the same, all the same circumstances. And, but there is an argument like this is the more unusual season, or this is Mm -hmm. the one that actually, because the injuries have all compounded from last year, from a year and a half of stress, um, of unusual circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, you know, the asterisk thing sucks. The asterisk should not be like a bad thing, like knocking the champions. The asterisk should be for every other team knowing that you did the best you could. (laughs) And, you know, and and if you got traded, if you got fired as a coach, if you had your worst year ever, here's an asterisk to say it's not fully, I don't think, your fault unless you're Doc Rivers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, bud. I read something that said even Tupac can come back on Doc Rivers. <laughs> and I, I think we should leave it there. I think that's, yeah, that's all that needs to be said. Let's just it's retape only- this thing and that's the only line we have. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, until next time. Please keep leaving us your voicemails about Doc Rivers slander or Sixer sadness. Also, did you guys hear my mom on the last voicemail? That was so adorable she uh, yeah i loved that talking about her james harden slander which i hear all the time on the phone so i'm happy you guys heard it um leave us a voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spencers at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show spencers is hosted by me Haley o'shaughnessy and jordan liggins this episode was produced by jordan isabel jocelyn harry krinsky and alex ward Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. Hey, this is Scott from D.C. I have reason to believe that someone on the Suns, I believe it's Chris Paul, has a labeled bottle in similar uh, fashion to... Shut some old toasty. My Michael Jordan secret stuff. It's labeled Chris's secret stuff. We have to look out for this. I've seen it a few times. Okay, bye.